We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Saturday night after a 43-point Timberwolves win over the Memphis Grizzlies. That that score tells the story. This was as good of a game as this iteration of this Wolves team has, has played since it kind of took shape a year ago. I just looked it up and it's, it's crazy to think that this is real, but Anthony Edwards was drafted. 367 days ago on November 18th, 2020. I mean, because of the condensed season and quick turnaround, everything COVID related, you know, Edwards has already played in 89 games in that one year, but it's only been one year of this core group for the Wolves. And, and still, even in that year, because of injuries, tonight was only the 38th game that all three of Cat, D'Lo, and Ant have played in together. This core is still new, and we're still learning about it every game. I mean, initially, obviously, right, the the core of Cat and Dilo was put together at the 2020 trade deadline when Gerson Rosas traded Andrew Wiggins for Russell, but, but really this team started to take shape of whatever it was going to become when they added Anthony Edwards to the mix a year ago, and that just, you know, it totally changed the fabric of what this team could be. You know, having Anthony Edwards in addition to Cat and D'Lo adds a floor to this team, a reasonable expectation of output on a nightly basis. You know, having Ant and D'Lo in addition to Cat makes it so the Wolves can win a game on the rare nights that Cat is in his head or just is off. You know, to be fair to Cat, I mean that that might only be ten games a year, but really, if you think about it, since Jimmy Butler left three seasons ago. Those 10 games a year when Cat was just off, those have historically in that time almost been sure losses. They just didn't have anything else to really fall back on. And that was that was a real takeaway for me today as I'm watching this game, particularly, particularly early in the game in that first quarter, because Cat was struggling. He was fouling and he was again upset with the refs. And it it felt like one of those games, right? He just he just wasn't playing well to start the game. And again, historically, those starts have kind of spelled death for this team. But tonight, you saw something so different than that normal kind of path, that normal crumbling. It didn't happen. You saw D'Angelo Russell 
and the rest of the Wolves starters pick up Cat with strong, inspired play that that kept the Wolves playing within their identity, even though their biggest piece of their identity in Cat just wasn't playing well. But but specifically early on, it was Anthony Edwards. You know, Ant is at the point where he is capable of providing a floor for this team, but also a pretty sky high ceiling in the first quarter just delivered a, I don't know if it was a knockout blow, but it was pretty close. He made all six of his first quarter shots. He scored 17 points. He was five of five from deep in that corner. He picked up Cat. He got his team going, and he got target center going. I thought Edwards' first quarter made it so the Wolves had a basketball advantage tonight, but they also had a home court advantage tonight. And I just don't know how many times I've been able to say that, particularly in a game where Cat wasn't playing well. Here's Ant after the after the game on his 17 point first quarter. Describe what was uh, how you were feeling uh, starting the game there. I mean, it's just fun, man. I was trying to get the building hype. You know what I'm saying? I feel like once I once I hit one shot, it's over for anybody. I feel like it don't matter. So <laughs> once I hit the first one, like think about like a basketball player, right? Like me, I'm known for getting to the rim layups. But once my three ball falling, then like y'all in trouble. Like my first shot was a three and I made it. So like nothing else was on my mind, but <laughs> like they in trouble now. Like if I get uh, one slightest look at the rim, it's going up. So and it was leaving me open. Right. Catch and shoot, off the dribble, losing me. So yeah, it was it was pretty easy. Another part of the Wolves being able to win without Cap playing at his normal level and win in the fashion they did was the other guys and just the way that they were able to turn energy into hectic defense and extra possessions and just be kind of an overwhelming force. Lots of credit there is due to Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, Jane McDaniels, but but Jared Vanderbilt was the poster boy for this tonight. And really he's been in the poster boy for that all year. You know, Finch often refers to Vanderbilt's play as inspirational. That's the term he uses. And what I think is really becoming clear now, 16 games into the season is how consistent that inspiring play is from Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt just doesn't really have hot and cold nights. There's something there's something very powerful about how the impact he puts on the game is controllable, right? Like he's his impact is generated by effort. And in a lot of ways effort is just a choice. Right? Like good shooters have bad shooting nights. Not because they chose to have a bad shooting night. Shooting is just a volatile thing. It comes and it goes. The decision for Vanderbilt to bring what he brings every night is powerful. But yet, it's it's almost more impressive in its consistency. And I, I really do think that impact is starting to have returns that are like almost growing exponentially due to that consistency. I think Vando's teammates have come to expect it on a nightly basis. And when you expect something, you can kind of plan accordingly for it and take advantage of it. I mean, if you watch the game, you saw Vanderbilt had a bunch of his impactful possessions. And if you didn't watch the game, you know what they look like. They look like Vanderbilt possessions. But one really stood out to me in how it kind of illustrates this. What is I think is becoming an exponentially positive impact. And the play was just a simple offensive rebound by Vanderbilt where he came as he does, right, just flying into the lane, snatched the ball out of the air and comes down and lands, and he immediately kicked it out to the left corner where Anthony Edwards was just waiting there. And I think that's the kicker. Anthony Edwards was waiting there. 
in the corner on an offensive rebound. I mean, think about that, right? Normally, you know, shot goes up, you're on the perimeter, like you're getting back on defense. But Edwards was waiting there. He was expecting Vando to get the offensive rebound and kick it to him. And that's just rare. And it's kind of risky, but it it's also it's also powerful when it works. Because that's that's just an extremely profitable sequence of events. You go from having missed a shot in that scenario where Vando, if you know, if Vando had not grabbed that rebound, it's Grizzlies ball and it's going the other way. But now that zero, that missed shot turns into a wide open corner corner three for the Wolves from a just one of their shooters who's just sitting there waiting for it. I thought the crazy, I mean, what really stood out, the crazy part of this play is that Ant gets that kick out and he shoots the open three and actually misses it. But Vanderbilt snatches that offensive rebound as well and then immediately kicks it out to Malik Beasley, who's waiting in the opposite corner again, waiting there for it, expecting Vanderbilt to get the rebound and set him up for an open corner three. You know, the, the thing with these Jared Vanderbilt energy plays, not just that they're inspirational, it's and it's not just that they're consistent, but that they put the team in a place to profit. You know, it's not just like, ooh, the guy who's trying hard. It's like, no, the guy who's trying hard and is making a, a difference. He's, he's not only creating extra possessions with his rebounding and his defense, but the possessions he creates, they consistently lead to profit. You know, it's, it's always felt a little bit like hyperbolic to me when you hear people give Fando the you know, the Dennis Rodman comparison, and it is. But what we're talking about here, what Vando is doing and the value it's starting to bring, you know, that is shades of the value in style or archetype that Dennis Rodman had in the 90s. It just it just is. And, you know, I always, I always kind of brush that off as like, come on, we can't compare this to Dennis Rodman. He's like, he's the best to ever do it at that. But then I'm, I'm sitting there tonight after this game, obviously a really good game, so maybe it sticks out a little bit more. And I'm listening to Vanderbilt talk about rebounding. And I'm just thinking about how this, this sounds like Dennis Rodman, what Dennis Rodman would say, or, or at least he's describing the thought process that you would imagine Rodman would have if he was playing in today's NBA. Here's Vanderbilt after the game. Coach is just saying you have a really strong feel for where the other four guys are on the floor around you, I thought. One thing we, we saw tonight was on the offensive rebounds. Some of the guys staying in the corner there for that, that kick out right away. Does that kind of even make those offensive rebounds even more value, valuable? When, well, one, you could dunk it, or two, kick it out for that, that open corner three? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, I, you know, me kind of knowing these guys and playing with them for a couple of years, I kind of uh, weirdly know where they might miss just from you know, <laughs> studying them and watching them, you know, shoot the ball. So just a mixture of instincts and kind of just watching the rotation of their ball, I kind of know. And uh, by the way, I've spoken to them, just kind of just find that open gap when I do get the office rebound. And because uh, that's the best time when the defense is in disarray and uh, they're not fanning out the shooters at that point. So instead um, of me forcing it back up to uh, try to go up with four of the people in the paint, I look at the chance to spray out, you know, look for our shooters and, you know, get them going as well. And I feel like uh, that's one of the uh, highest percentage shots, the office rebound three. So, um, uh, yeah, they kind of in connection with me. They know when I get in, I'm looking to spray or, you know, pass it out to them. So they kind of did a good job tonight relocating. 
it kind of leads into what I was going to ask you is how much of, of your offensive rebounding ability is the ability to read the ball, maybe coming off the rim. Um, I know that there are heat zones and things like that for, for offensive rebounds, kind of what goes through your mind as, as a shot is, is going up and you see that it's maybe going to miss. Um, what goes through my mind is just, I'm just not going to let the person next to me get the ball. Like I just wanted more. Uh, it goes with instincts, effort, and, you know, also, like I said, watching the ball, usually when a guy shoots out of the left corner, it's going to come on the other side and, you know, vice versa. And uh, so it's all about uh, where people generally miss and then me specifically watching my teammates, and, you know, knowing how they shoot and what type of shot is going to be and me trying to get to that position. And uh, at that point, just using instincts and effort to, you know, win that battle. How long does it take to, to know where guys are going to miss? How, 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 how much do you have to see them shoot to, to know that? Um, not not that much. Like, just for me watching you, like, a workout, I can kind of see, like, you know, who shoots a little bit left, who's short, at what point. Like, and that's just, you know, for me just doing this for a while, kind of just know and just mix that, like I said, with instincts and effort. Um, um, yeah, just by going, you're going to get a lot of them. So, uh, yeah. The Wolves are second in the NBA this season in the percentage of their own misses that they offensive rebound. That obviously has a lot to do with Vanderbilt and the rebounding he individually provides there. But if you you kind of parse through those numbers a little bit, individually, Vanderbilt, like, quote-unquote, only ranks in the 81st percentile as an individual offensive rebounder. That's not necessarily, like, individually elite elite right i really do think though that this is an, another example of that exponential impact he has because because vanderbilt goes for every single one of those offensive rebounds every possession and when someone is going for them every possession and having success doing that you as the opponent you have to account for that so the attention he draws there leads to more offensive rebounds for cat or for nas or for even like a guard like patrick beverly and this shows up in the Wolves, as a team, ranked second in the NBA in offensive rebound frequency. They grabbed 30.3% of their own misses. But if you split for the Wolves' starting lineup, D'Lo, Beverly, Edwards, Vanderbilt, and Cat, when those five are on the floor, the Wolves are grabbing 37.9% of those offensive rebounds, or 37.9% of their own misses. Sub so McDaniel's in for Beverly in that group, and the Wolves are grabbing 43.6% of their own misses. Or sub in Beasley for D'Lo with the starters, and the Wolves are grabbing 48.3% of their own misses. Almost 50%. Almost 50% of their own misses they have rebounded this year when Beverly, Beasley, Edwards, Vanderbilt, and Towns are on the floor. I mean, that's that's just insane. And this, this is why the Wolves are surviving this season. The Wolves' half-court offense still is not good. They rank 24th in the league there. And they're still last in the league in defensive rebound. And they still get pounded on the defensive glass. So to be a team that is winning at all, they need to create this profit elsewhere to make up for that difference. And they're doing that through generating offensive rebounds, which again, they rank second in the league in. And they're doing it through generating turnovers where they rank first in the league in. And so much of those two categories are about those two categories that kind of like balance the scale. So much of that is about Jared Vanderbilt. Because every, even when he isn't getting an offensive rebound or getting credited with a steal, Jared Vanderbilt is creating a consistent impact, a pressure on the other team that allows his teammates to get those extra possessions, even if he isn't the one generating them specifically himself.
All right, we're going to take a quick break here and then come back with some more specifics from tonight's game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back discussing the Timberwolves' 138-95 to win over the Memphis Grizzlies on Saturday night, the Wolves' third consecutive victory this week. And I want to take a segment here to talk about the positive impact the Wolves have felt from D'Angelo Russell's presence over this last handful of games. For the season, D'Lo far and away leads the team in net rating while he's on the floor. It's, it's really it's a staggering number. The Wolves are outscoring opponents by 26 points per 100 possessions in the 396 minutes that D'Lo has played this year. And that's according to Cleaning the Glass. So garbage time has even been removed from that. It's not getting juiced up. And that's also like Cleaning the Glass hasn't even updated tonight. So that's before D'Lo's plus 34 that he had in tonight's game. So just take that that plus 26.6 from D'Lo. That's 9.4 points per 100 possessions higher than the next best net rating on the team, which is Josh Okogie, who's plus 17.2. And then the next highest after that is Anthony Edwards, who has a net rating of plus 6.5. Delo's 26.6. So for me, I've been tracking some of this for the past week or so. And honestly, where my head was at with this kind of, you know, before these last four games was like, okay, you know, Delo and Josh are that high because, you know, they've both been in and out of the lineup. They happen to be out for a few of the game, a few of the real bad games that probably, you know, if they would have played, it would have brought the net ratings down a little bit. Like, and and specifically with D'Lo, it just seems so staggering or like so glaring 
that he missed the two games against the Clippers where the Wolves just got smacked. You know, they lost those two by a combined 31 points. You're like, well, would have D'Lo helped in those games? Like, sure. But, you know, he would have got hit with like a minus 20 in one of those games too, right? But then, you know, I've kind of started to let some of that go as I watched him more this week. And I'm not only... I've not only seen Dilo's impact from just watching him and, you know, paying a little bit more attention to specifically what he's doing, but also you're seeing on the stat sheet, you know, I've, I'm seeing this almost every night and I'm thinking to myself, this is a little bit more real than I was thinking. I mean, yes, those Clippers games were bad, but that's only two games. They've Dilo's played in 14 other games and these are the numbers. So I'm asking myself why, like, what specifically is leading to these bursts of the Wolves outscoring opponents in the D'Lo minutes? It just, it really wasn't lining up in my perception of D'Lo because, you know, you think of him as a shot maker. That's where his impact has always been. That's where he brings his juice. But then you look at his numbers and you're like, okay, he's shooting 43% from two, 33% from three on the season. You know, that's where his impact normally comes from. And those are both career lows. Like what's going on here? So you go to yourself, you know, something isn't lining up. And when something isn't lining up and the sample size is growing, you kind of have to like reassess what your priors were. You know, and my priors were that the only real areas that I thought D'Lo brought juice were in his shot making. And that just hasn't been the case this year. Now, when after tonight, 434 minutes he's played this year, this is not a small sample size. And I, I think what it is, is D'Lo's game is inspiring offense around him. The Wolves offense is the offense is generating an additional 5.5 points per 100 possessions when he is out there compared to when he's off. And I think that's in large part attributable to the minutes he's playing with the second unit. I mean every single game now Finch is subbing Delo out 6 minutes into the first quarter and 6 minutes into the third quarter. That's when Malik Beasley comes in, it's the first sub of the game, first sub of each half. This happens so Dilo can check back in, you know, late in the first quarter or late in the third quarter. So he's back out there kind of leading the second unit. Chris Finch, which is this is something I've questioned, but Chris Finch has chosen to have Dilo be the one guy from the big three who plays with that bench unit. And it's working. I mean, tonight that group of Dilo, Beasley, Prince, McDaniels, and Nazit thrived. And different iterations similar to that, that sort of, whoever the bench four is that night with D'Lo, like they've thrived pretty consistently. Those groups, I think they, what we're starting to feel is they kind of epitomize Finch's vision for pace and ball movement offensively, but also they epitomize this chaotic scramble, scramble defense style that they're trying to play. You know, it would be hard for me to say watching D'Lo that individually he's a strong individual defender. I don't, I mean, it's just not his game's not his skill set, but he is playing within that defensive concept as well as he has certainly any time since he's been in Minnesota. And again, the numbers tell the biggest story there. I mean, opponents are scoring 21.1 fewer points per 100 possessions this season when D'Lo is on the floor compared to when he is off. Again, you know, it's him and a Kogi high up there. And then the next best differential is Jaden McDaniels, who the Wolves are the Wolves opponents are scoring 4.1 points fewer per 100 possessions when he's out there defensively. 
the numbers are just so staggeringly tilted in Delo's favor that you can't attribute it all to the Clippers games. You, know, you break it down teammate teammate by teammate over the over the course of the season, that bench group or with the starters, any teammate in the Wolves have a de- defensive rating below 100 in every two-man pairing that Delo is involved in. That's huge. You know, it might not match the eye test when you isolate for Delo individually as a defender, but when you watch the five-man five-man group out there working together defensively, when he's out there, like the Wolves are playing inspired defense. They really are. Here's Delo after tonight's game talking about kind of his shift in mindset defensively and specifically how him, Cat, and Ant are all doing it together. Coach Finch was, was talking about like you and Cat kind of figuring out how to play with each other or off of each other. And I wonder what what exactly have you have you guys kind of figured out uh, in terms of playing your offensively? I just think guys are that good. Um, those two specifically, I feel like they're that good to where they don't have to force anything. Um, myself as well. I don't think we have. I don't think we have to force anything offensively. And then when you get us in a stance defensively, having everybody wanting the guard, I think. We're a different team, you know. Um, cats up on the screen and sitting down on John Morant, you know. Devin Booker's he's he's accepting those challenges. Um, myself trying to be as you know vocal and lead by example and try to make the right play. But I think it's just a contagious effect from what Pat Bev brought, you know, from since training camp. You know, since his presence has been around, it's everybody's been locked in and committed to defense. And I think that's what's gotten our offense to you know kick off a little bit. I mean, I think the single most striking stat of the entire season thus far is that the Wolves have a defensive rating of 99.1 in the 281 minutes that Cat, D'Lo, and Ant have shared the floor. The three players who we came into the season, everyone around saying, you know, those are three offensively tilted players and they're going to be, you know, damaging to your defense when you're playing them all three together. 99.1. That's the eighth best defensive rating in the entire NBA for any three-man pairing who has shared the floor for 250-plus minutes this season. Eighth. I think even more encouraging when you look at those other seven-man groups that are ahead of the Wolves, or the other seven three-man groups that are ahead of the Wolves, like one, all of them come from really good teams. Miami, Chicago, and Denver. The, that Cat D'Lo and Ant group is the, only, is the eighth one. They're the only... One that doesn't come from Chicago, Miami, or Denver. And then two, that Cat, D'Lo, and Ant trio has a worse offensive rating than all of those other seven three-man units from Miami, Chicago, and Denver. And I mean, offense offense should be the, the Wolf, that Wolves group's calling card, right? I mean, it's Cat, D'Lo, and Ant. And it's probably responsible to say that in time, offense will be their call, like calling card. So how perfect... You know, how perfect are the offensive skills of Cat, Dilo, and Ant all together? You know, probably not perfect. We've seen hiccups this year. But will they get better offensively together as a threesome? Yeah, almost certainly. So you add that to the mix and you keep this defense somewhere close to where it's been. And I mean, you got to, what's going to probably be a pretty powerful three-man group. And, you know, I just... Want to point this all out because credit to D'Lo for the growth he's showing on that and the commitment to that to that side of the floor. And then really like 
the, the, the numbers are speaking pretty loud. Like there's been a real impact there. All right. The one other player I want to get to tonight is Nas Reed, and he's going to be our Forgotten Star of the game, sponsored by Forgotten Star Brewery. Uh, Nas's stat line doesn't really pop. If you don't watch the game, I was talking to Britt after the game. He's like, yeah, you know, you had to watch tonight to see what, you know, what Nas did because the box was just going to say four points and six rebounds for Nas. But I think what popped tonight from Nas was that was as explosive of a game as an athlete as we've ever seen from him. He was all over the place. And I think what was most encouraging was the fact that that athleticism and explosiveness showed itself on the defensive end more than it did on the offensive end. I mean, he had two big blocks. It was really even more than that. It was only 15 minutes, but he was just all over the place. And I just thought it has never been more apparent that Nas now weighs 30 pounds less than he did when he came into the league, and that matters. Obviously, a theme kind of tonight we've, we've been talking about here is that, you know, the Wolves finding success when Cat doesn't have it going, right? And we need to note that that has not been the case this year. You know, coming into tonight, the Wolves had a slightly positive net rating with Cat on the floor, plus 1.2, and a clearly negative net rating with Cat off the floor. They've been hurting with him off. The non-Cat minutes need to more consistently not be a sore thumb for this team. And the majority of those minutes are going to have Nas out there in his place. What the numbers have told us this season in those non-Cat minutes is is that the defense has not been the problem when it's Nas in there instead of Cat. They've actually defended at a better rate this season with Cat off the floor than with him on. The problem has been that they're hemorrhaging points offensively in Cat's absence. The Wolves' offensive rating with Cat off the floor this year is 100.0. And just has to be better than that. And and Nas, he just, he's literally the backup center. He He's a huge part of it. And I thought just tonight to see him clearly back healthy after having dealt with the toe injury earlier in the week, that just, that felt big to me. So Nas is tonight's forgotten star of the game because we saw something from him that suggested, I thought that things could be better in Kat's absence going forward. As always, thanks to Forgotten Star for sponsoring the show. They offer dollar off beers in the tap room to all listeners of this podcast. So if you just tell them, go up there, tell them you're a listener, dollar off your beers. I really do recommend it. I don't know. I don't know why book club comes to mind or something. But if you're just getting a group of people together or something like that, do it. Do it at Forgotten Star. Uh, Fridley, Minnesota, they're open seven days a week at noon. And then tonight, we're just going to wrap up with my prize picks from tonight's game. Because I think they highlighted, well, I guess some of Memphis's just blah game they had. Uh, the, the one set of bets I felt best with. Uh, tonight was the under on seven and a half points and eight and a half rebounds for Steven Adams. Uh, that largely for me came from the idea that the Wolves and Cat have been able to take advantage of Adams, you know, for a few years now. Honestly, I came into this game being like, how much is Adams even going to play? I thought just like they did the last game against Memphis, you know, they kind of play Adams off the floor. And and really, that that is what happened tonight. Adams played less than 18 minutes. And he was held to just six points and two rebounds, zero offensive rebounds. The one the one Grizzlies player I thought would be able to take advantage of the Wolves tonight was Jaron Jackson Jr. His prop was 15 and a half points and five and a half rebounds. I took the over on both of those and Jackson Jr. finished with just 12 points and four rebounds. Um, you know, Triple J, like pretty much every single Grizzlies player tonight was was held below uh, below their props on the night. So I got the two right on Adams because I took the under 
and uh, I got the two wrong on Jackson because I took the over there. And then my my one Wolves bet uh, was, of course, it was on Cat, who had, was like the only Wolves player who didn't have a very good game. Uh, and his his prop was eight and a half rebounds tonight. Took the over there. I really and I, I've talked about it. I think it was on the last show. Just been impressed with kind of the ease that Cat had been rebounding with lately. So I thought this was a pretty safe bet. But again, it was an off night for him. Some foul trouble. Ultimately, didn't play that many minutes because the game got out of hand. So Cat just finished with five rebounds. So another losing night for me. Two and three on the night, which brings me to 30, 34, and two on the season. Still not back to 500. But you're like, you know, moving in the right direction as the Wolves have started to play better here. It really has been uh, cool to see some of you sending me over your winning cards uh, from pri- prize picks. We just, like, I don't know, reply to my tweet on Twitter or whatever. You all appear to be much better at this than I am, or maybe you're just not sending me <laughs> the ones you get wrong. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you are just, uh, if you, you're listening to this maybe Sunday morning or on Monday, know that like prize picks isn't just for the NBA. Uh, you can do the same thing for the NFL games uh, where it's just over-unders on stat lines or they have things for fantasy points, whatever you want to do there. Um, yeah, it doesn't just have to be Wolves games. That's what we're doing on the pod, of course. But um, yeah, I just think it's it's worth trying out. Uh, if you have not downloaded the Prize Picks app, do that. Use promo code Dane D A N E. My name. When you sign up, you'll get an extra hundred bucks in your account. Even though I haven't been winning yet, I'm I'm still having fun tracking these during the game. I'm always or Jace Frederick's always giving me crap on Media Row for my picks that I've made, and I am ultimately getting wrong. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'm still having fun with it. The uh, the next Wolves game is Monday night in New Orleans, where they will uh, will they look to win their fourth straight game. I, I looked it up tonight because I'm dumb and get ahead of myself, I guess. But I looked up the Wolves' longest winning streak in French winning streaks in franchise history, and I gathered this: um, if the Wolves take this current three game winning streak and win their next three. Will be a six-game winning streak, and it will be their first six-game winning streak since 2004, more than 17 years ago. Like, what in the world? <laughs> the next three games are one on the road against New Orleans, who's three and 15. Uh, the second game is home for Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat the night before Thanksgiving, and then three. The third game is on the road in Charlotte against Lamelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets. So, if the Wolves win those three. <laughs> on top of these three, they already have. That'll be their longest winning streak since 2004. Obviously, one at a time, and I will be back to talk to you after the New Orleans game on Monday night. Until then, enjoy your Sunday, rest of your weekend. I'll talk to you later. I'm Dane. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.